So you just came back from L.A. and you were there for... A one-year-old's birthday party. A child's birthday. You're sending everyone with a left turn there, my friend. Explain <laughs> that. It's one of my besties. It's Kirsty's baby's first birthday. She's so cute. You would melt, Ellen. You would melt. I mean, melt. you used to go to L.A. and, you know, have Coke in gay bars. Now you're having bottles and nappies. Have Coke? I don't think so. <laughs> I, well, you know, the ethereal. I just think of L.A. and think Coke. Oh, that's nice. You know. What has your experience been in L.A.? My goodness, Ellen. <laughs> Hi, Joey. Hello, Yellen Marsh. You know I've never done cocaine. I know. I've never tried it. Could you imagine no. me on cocaine? No, it would be a mess. I just had no desire. Are you looking at me? Yeah. You're looking at me. I will fight you. Yeah. Let's fight. Welcome to I Think Not, the podcast where Joey Taranto and I, Ellen Marsh, recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows. Month by month, we bring you a different series so that you can get a taste of all these shows and decide if you like them, if you want to put it on your next rotation, or you put it along with Love, Honor, and Betray and never touch that shit again. (laughs) Well, we are bringing you a new show this month, and it was one that we covered in the beginning where we were hopping around and we really liked it. Yeah, and also, this was in big demand. Yes. The DBs wanted it, so we're giving it to you. We are back with City Confidential. City Confidential, but don't forget on the Patreon, we are covering American Detective Homicide Hunter. So if you want a little bit of that, some ad-free episodes, some bonus episodes, some love after lockup, and just a little more of Joey and I, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com, and find us I Think Not Pod. It's going to be overwhelming, but I'm really excited to cover City Confidential. Again, this is a well-made show. It's like watching a movie. There's only 500 seasons of it. Yeah. We chose season seven, episode two. That's where we're starting, and you can't say anything about it because we're in the future and you can't fight us. (laughs) And there you have it. How are you feeling now that we're back from tour? I feel great. I feel not rested. I feel like I still need to sleep for a week. Yeah. But I had a fucking blast. How lucky are we? We are lucky. And also just getting to like be on stage and be dum-dums, you know, it's just fun. I have fun with you on stage. Yeah. That was probably the last time we were going to do our Pink Collar Crime show. We did our Scoops Daniels show and our Pink Collar Crime show. It's like another one bites the dust and we're going to be writing a new show here soon. That's right. It's all about Marjorie Taylor Greene because the fact that she has somehow become a congresswoman is a crime. There you go. So (laughs) wait no more. Get your tickets now. We're going to do it at some gazebo in (laughs) Sheboygan. So here we go. The month of July is giving you City Confidential. Season 7, Episode 2, Murder in Amish Country. I was just thinking this isn't real. This just can't be happening. It confirmed for them that there's evil out there. They were scared. They wanted the person who did this to be held accountable. All she wanted was his godly marriage. This was only the second murder among the Amish in 250 years in America. And it just was unheard of. Murder in Amish country. You know I cannot not do it. I have to do it. Let her rip! We've been spending most of our lives living in an Amish paradise. How could we not? Honestly, Weird Al Yankovic was a huge part of my childhood. Really? 
My brothers and I used to crack up. Also, you know, he's a musical genius. Really? He's like Beck? Yeah, he's really, really a musical genius. And do you know who one of his best friends is? Who? Sarah Silverman. What? He was going to come see Bedwetter and like something happened. That pans out. Right? Yes. But what a niche thing he created anyway. Where is Weird Al? Somebody Google it. Get back to me. Right on the edge of America's heartland sits the city of Akron, Ohio. It became famous for making tires. Millions of them. In fact, so many tires, it was nicknamed the rubber capital of the world. The city of nearly 200,000 is still buzzing. Well, we are here in Akron, Ohio, which is the rubber capital of the world. Mm -hmm. That's right. They are known for condoms over in Ohio. They love protection. All kinds, all colors, all flavors, all shapes and sizes. Because the Ohio state motto is, we wrap our dicks. And also John Legend was born here. (laughs) It is. It's on the flag. That's nice. Yeah. Also, they're like, welcome to Ohio. We have the Museum of Rock and Roll, but we're not very cool. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Ohio. I'm just kidding. We are not talking about condoms. Sorry, Golden Girls. Condoms, Rose. Condoms, condoms, condoms. We are referring to tires. Very sexy. Tires. I know. Actually, I seriously do know the state flag motto of Ohio. I'm not actually kidding right now. What is it? It's Ohio. We really love tires. I quit. <laughs> This is done. I hope y'all enjoyed this. This was the last five minutes. I'm sorry. Did that fall flat? (laughs) I'm sorry. We will. (laughs) We will. (laughs) No, Dean Martin was from there. The Isley Brothers and Amish people. Yes, Amish people. Speaking of sexy, we're actually 30 miles south of Akron. We're in a place called Apple Creek, which is home to a very simple life. And I don't mean Paris Hilton. Mm -hmm. It's Amish country. No electronics, no cars, no electricity. They do their damnedest to keep away from the modern world. This I did not know. They don't even take pictures of themselves. No, they don't. No, because they believe that it is vain to take pictures. Which I guess, but I love memories. I'm like a scrapbooking nerd, you know? Also, what if you go missing and they're like, great, can you give us a picture of her? I do have this whiteboard and I could do like a sort of amateur sketch if you'd like and you could put, I mean, what are you going to do? Don't say too much because it's a real thing. Well, we are told that Apple Creek is very peaceful and, you know, we all know the Amish They prioritize God, family, and humility. And they believe that living a pure life means living outside of the modern world. And anyone who isn't Amish is referred to as the English. Why? I knew that because I worked in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So there were Amish people there. But why are you English? I don't know. (laughs) Also, I have stumbled onto Amish TikTok. Are they on TikTok? There's this whole group of Gen Z Amish kids that are like, oh, fuck this. Let's get phones. And they all sneak and hide their phones and they post on TikTok. Yeah, I'll have more to say about that for sure. But it's June 2nd, 2009, and it's 8.05 a.m. And there was a storm the night before, and we hear this 911 call. 911, do you have an emergency? Yes, we do. At what address? Person not responding. Okay, do you know if the person's breathing? No. Okay, you mean you don't know or they're not breathing? I don't think she's breathing. And the victim was Barbara Weaver, a 30-year-old woman who loves her husband and her five children. Now, I'm not going to say what you all think 
that that's a lot of kids. I want to say that's a lot of kids for a 30-year-old. Yeah. Like, I want the math on the, like, was one bun was ready to go in the oven as the other came out of the oven. You know, that baking timing that's, is very precarious. That's a lot on it's your baby vagina. Every, yeah, a lot on your vagina. I mean, maybe Ohio should stick to the condoms. Yeah. Because... A lot of kids. And also, getting a 911 call from the Amish is a rare occurrence. They kind of keep it in-house. Uh-huh. So the detectives arrive at the scene, and they can tell very quickly that Barbara had been shot at close range with a shotgun. Yeah, Philip Chup is here, and he was the lead paramedic. She wasn't responding, and there was a hole in her nightgown. And inside the hole was a hole in her chest. And my first question was, do Amish have guns? And they probably do for like hunting oh, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So the paramedics then call the sheriff. And there is a woman that's guiding us through some stuff in this episode. Her name is Rebecca Morris. And she wrote a book called Killing in Amish Country. And this was the second murder in the Amish in 250 years. 250 years. That was wild to me when she spit that number out. Yeah. That was crazy. Anyway, so they know that she had been, like you said, shot maybe like within three or four inches. That's crazy. Now, Sergeant Joe Mullet is here. I have 10,000 things to say about Sergeant Joe Mullet. And whenever I have too much to say about someone, I never choose the most fascinating thing about them. I always uh-huh. go to like a niche stupid thing that nobody notices. So today is no different. He is a sergeant. He's not in uniform, but he's wearing a sergeant tie clip. And those are not standard issue. Like somebody went to Things Remembered at the mall uh-huh. and got him a sergeant clip. Yeah. Because he wanted everyone to know he was sergeant. He didn't know that there was going to be a lower third that said that. And like I could just see him in the morning be like, Nanny Luan, where's my sergeant tie clip? I need them to know I'm a sergeant. Cheese and biscuits. <laughs> How are they going to know I'm a sergeant if I don't have this here clip? Where's my desk sign that says every day I'm hustling? (laughs) Um, I get the feeling that this man doesn't talk to too many people too often. This man is going to bring us some of the best one-liners in Uh this episode. Now, Mullet, his name Mullet, that's not even the funniest part of his name, nor is it funny that I made most of my career wearing a mullet on a Broadway stage. Uh No, no. One of the gems he says to us is... A shotgun is a very deadly weapon. Honestly, I am consistently floored with the amount that I learn. I am so grateful that I get to do a podcast where I learn things. I don't know things because I thought a shotgun was a gardening tool. There you go. I am besotted with new information. (laughs) Besotted. So when we heard that thing about the no pictures, you know, I always try and be like respectful of people's religions and things like that. And everybody has different customs and things that I might find weird. I'm not going to comment on because it's their life. Right. But photographs are so important to me. But then they say this. Since the Amish don't take photos or the only photograph of Barbara Weaver that exists is of her dead body. That's devastating. It's very morbid. That is as so well. dark. We have no idea what Barbara Looks like. No. I just broke my heart. So they look at the crime scene and they know very quickly this is not a robbery gone wrong. This was a homicide for sure. And so they're thinking like, who would want to murder Barbara? She is this very sweet, kind mother of five living in the Amish country. And they estimate that Barbara's time of death is somewhere between 3 and 5 a.m. And detectives find out that all five of her children 
were in that house at the time of her murder. Yeah, more on that. Yeah, but how did they not hear the gunshot? Well, because of that terrible thunderstorm. So if they did wake up, they probably assumed it was thunder. It was thunder, right. Now... There is not much evidence at the crime scene at all. They don't know much, but the mullet guy is feeling really confident with his sergeant clip, and he says, The person who committed this crime shot the person they wanted to shoot. Two for two. I... I am grateful for this guy yeah. yeah, because he's not messing around. He's got his sergeant clip and he's got a lot of information for people that didn't watch this show. I can just see him like off camera after every one of his clips, just like, yep, yeah, knocked it out. Yeah. Should I back. say more? I can say more. <laughs> also, knives can be dangerous mm-hmm. if used inappropriate more. Yeah. I can give you loads of facts. Yeah. Arsenic. Mm-hmm. Don't drink arsenic. <laughs> Thank you, Detective Mullet. As detectives investigate, word spreads through the Amish community, like the shotgun blast that tore through Barbara Weaver's body. Next door neighbor Mary Iker, one of the area's taxi drivers who takes the Apple Creek Amish where horse buggies can't go, comes home to find her block a crime scene. As I pulled up, I glanced back down the alley, and I saw three sheriff's cars. And I said, what on earth is going on back there? So this is where we meet Barbara's neighbor, Mary Iker, who works as a taxi driver in this town, which is confusing for me because the Amish famously use horse buggies to get everywhere. But if there's a place that's too far for them to get to, they just call Mary to drive them there in a cab. So I'm like, help me understand this. So is it a sin to drive the car, not a sin to get in the back of a car? and let someone else commit the sin, but aren't you complicit in their sin? Maybe. I mean, you know, when Jewish people celebrate Shabbat, Uh they can't turn on electricity, but like a Gentile can. So maybe that is the thing, that they can like ride with somebody, but they can't be doing the actual thing. I'm really confused because I wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween growing up because of, you know, sweet baby Jesus, but we handed out candy at Halloween. Aren't we enabling the sin? You make up the rules as you go along. Get with it, Joey. Okay, sorry. So now the word has traveled all through Amish country, and it is on the local news. And on the local news, someone says, I don't know who done this. I have no idea, but somebody did it. Wow. Gripping. I understand that being put on the spot and having a microphone lunged in your face can be nerve wracking. Uh-huh. And I've said some really, really stupid things. Like, remember when I said I love you to the CVS lady? Yep. But you guys only know that story because I told you. There's no <laughs> evidence. If I said something like that, I'd be like, give me that film. Give me that film. <laughs> I Give me the camera. Give me the camera. I'm yeah. deleting this from here and I'm <laughs> deleting it from recently deleted. Okay. I don't know who did this. But somebody did it. You know what? Honestly, Leslie Ann Warren said it best when she said, True. How are you? Terry Mason. (laughs) Showers are for rehearsing things that you need to say. (laughs) Fights you're going to have. An Oscar speech you're going to give. Doesn't matter if you're a plumber. You might get an Oscar one day. You never know. Practice that shit in the shower. It's true. Talk to your shampoo bottle like the rest of us. (laughs) Could you imagine that man playing that over and over? And he's like, somebody did it. (laughs) Stupid, stupid. (laughs) So here's the thing. There is such little information that the Amish are like, they're terrified. They're like, what if there's a serial killer who is targeting Amish people, you know? So they're very, very nervous. Now, we meet Edna Boyle. What a name. 
who is the former assistant prosecutor of Wayne County. And she's like, here's the thing. The Amish don't fuck with us too much. No. And we don't fuck with the Amish too much either. They handle their own shit. But in this situation, they really were so scared that there was a serial killer out there. They were like, we need your help. And so this is what they found out through all of those people because they wanted to help. Yeah. They said... Barbara was amazing. Mm -hmm. Everyone loved her. Yeah, and a lot of people came forward with information that they had regarding the case. And then my favorite mullet says, They wanted the person who did this to be held accountable. That's a great goal. You know? I love that goal for him. How does he come up with this stuff? I know. I feel so bad for him. He says some of the dumbest things I've ever heard on a documentary. It's like it's nearly impossible to hide your own body. That's going down in ITN history right now. But really, everyone was like, she was a great person, a great mother, a great wife, a great homemaker. They literally said she was the perfect Amish mother. And she never raised her voice. Yeah. Same. What's that like? I've never. Yeah, no. Do you know I have a friend who says that her and her husband have never gotten in a fight? Like even a disagreement? What do you mean by fight? I don't know. They said they've never gotten in a fight. Not like beating each other up, but not like, you know, throwing hands. She says they don't fight. Yeah. My ex and I didn't ever really fight. He didn't really talk that much. Here. (laughs) I knew him for like 10 years. And I think I said a total of 32 words to him. I think I said a total of 32 (laughs) words to him. What a perfect relationship. (laughs) Can I find a man who only says 32 (laughs) words to me and lays on top of me. If you are out there, let yourself be known and please slide into my DMs because these Grand Tetons ain't gonna falupa-doop themselves. I can't wait for you all to see this on TikTok. (laughs) Falupa-doop. Neighbors also describe her 29-year-old husband, Eli, as an outgoing guy who has an easy way with people. The first time I actually met Eli was when he came to the door and asked for a ride. He was very polite and considerate. He was sort of apologetic for interrupting me and saying, you know, can you take me somewhere? Is it too much trouble? This is when we hear about Barbara's husband, 29-year-old Eli Weaver. And neighbor, taxi driver, Mennonite Mary. That's how I knew she's a Mennonite. I was wondering, I'm like, how do you live in Amish country? Oh, you're Mennonite. Got it. It's like Amish light. Yes, very nice. So she's like, Eli was a nice guy. Very polite, outgoing. And Eli owned a local store, but he wasn't there a lot because he was fishing and hunting often. Yeah. Now, Eli is 29, and you could tell me he was a 1,000, and I would believe you. This man has never seen a bottle of sunscreen, let alone a night serum. He looks a 1,000. I was like, how hard have those 29 years been? I mean, living without electricity, that'll age you. Sir. Having five kids. I guess, yeah, the kids. And so... On this morning, Eli is out fishing on Lake Erie, which is 90 minutes away, and they can't call him because he's Amish. And he doesn't have a Nokia, not even a Nokia, not even a little Razor flip phone from 2006. He can't even play Snake. Nope, he cannot. And so Eli was fishing with an English guy. Somebody tell me why they're called English people. And they had to call that dude's wife to get in touch with him. So they finally get in touch with Eli Tell him what happened, and he heads straight to the police station to get the news. And that's at about noon. They finally get in touch with him. And when they deliver this news that his wife has been murdered in their home with his five children, he's emotionless. He's not crying. Okay. Shock can do a lot of things. But you'd think that this might elicit 
uh, one tier. You never know. You never know. That is the lesson I will always take from true crime is that you never know how people will act in a state of shock, in a state of deep grief or sadness. I mean, there are some men that are blubbering and men are supposed to be made of steel or something. Right, exactly. And you just never know. Yeah, demeanor evidence is bullshit. I mean, listen, I've said it a million times. When I got the call, I was supposed to be going to dinner with Nick about my dad. And I said to him when I got off the phone, I was like, all right, well, should Let's we just go, go to, to dinner? dinner. Yeah. And he was like, so, yeah. So they ask Eli, when was the last time you saw your wife Barbara alive? And he says, well, I was supposed to leave at 3 a.m. on a fishing trip with buddies. I overslept, so his friends ended up knocking on the door. And both he and Barbara got up, where Eli says she helped him get ready to go, and then he left around 3.15 a.m. So then the next logical question is, they were like, is anything wrong with your marriage? And Eli is like, ugh, great question. I would love to tell you. I have so much to say. She has been faithful. She's a wonderful, dutiful, faithful wife. I, on the other hand, have dipped my cucumber into every fucking bowl of dip there is in this town. Let me tell you some of them. Yeah, well, there's one in particular. Turns out a a year prior to this, he had a longtime affair with a woman named Jessica. And this dummy decided to fuck her in his store Mm -hmm. behind the counter. And they didn't lock the door. So some Amish dude strolls in trying to buy some whisker oil or butter, I don't know, (laughs) and sees these two bumping uglies. Yeah. And so Eli's like, hey, sorry you had to see that. Can you just promise me that thou will not say anything to the wife? Yeah. And he's like, oh, don't you worry. Your secret is safe with me. I won't tell that you were churning some other woman's butter. (laughs) (laughs) Bruh, that dude went straight to the bishop. He was like, I mean, except my bishop. Yeah. I mean, I tell my bishop everything. I won't tell anyone else, but I'm obviously going to tell the bishop. Mm-hmm. And the bishop was like, the fuck is Jessica? Because Jessica was Namish. No, she was not. But also our friend Detective Mullet comes back with some interesting things to say on the subject. In the Amish community, once you're married, uh, you're married for life until death doeth part. That's right. Because thou doth not boinketh. Thou mistress on the cash register of thou's storeth, thus saith the Lord. F. <laughs> so Eli apologized to the bishop once confronted, to his wife Barbara, to his community, and they accepted his apology, right? Mm-hmm. Thank God the community accepted the apology. I was worried that the community wasn't going to accept his apology. God forbid his wife accept the apology. Listen, you don't want the Amish to shun you. You will be shunneth. Yeah. And so Eli's in the sheriff's office spilling his guts because then he says, yeah, I apologized. But uh, not long after that, I was churning more butter, if you know what I mean. He enjoyed the warmth of another woman's butter batter. Yeah. And that woman was 39-year-old Barb Raber, Mrs. Robinson, and she also drove a taxi. Now, Mennonite Mary's pissed. Uh Driving around Amish people, that's a niche. Yep. That is, she really got in there, you know, and... Barb. And Barb is is coming in on her turf. Look here, what you're not going to do is come in here and steal my taxi business. Because I'll kick you in the (laughs) F. (laughs) Barb is a twat. Mm -hmm. And Mary thinks so too. Because she's having sex with a married man. Well, just let Mary say it. She's a married mother of three, a Mennonite lady, and she does taxi work the same as I do. And I gather that she likes to run around with other men. 
Barb was basically Eli's personal driver at this point. Yeah. She drove him everywhere. And also Rebecca, author Rebecca, mm-hmm. she's got opinions too on Barb. Mm-hmm. She's older than Eli by, I believe, eight years. She wasn't particularly pretty. And he was this Amish stud. It wasn't decent. It wasn't decent how much time they spent together. Calm down with the Amish stud talk. Yeah, Amish stud. Well, Eli has clearly never been interviewed by the police because he's just literally like Chunk in the Goonies. Oh, he's like, oh, that really felt good to get off my chest. Also, my wife never knew about Barb. He's like the Jude Law of the Amish country over here. Just fucking putting his corn dog in every batter he can find. Absolutely. And the cops are like, wow. So Amish or not, men, I guess, are all pigs. Yeah. Got it. Good to know. And there's our show. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Follow us on social media. So they don't trust him. They're like, you you are not a very honest person. I mean, now. So they check Eli for gunshot residue, and there is none. So someone anonymously calls the sheriff's office and said that he met someone by the name of Jessica, who had an affair with a guy that owns the Outfitter store. He's like, I'm not saying his name. It just rhymes with Shmeli. <laughs> and he asked Jessica how to poison someone with plants. How do you poison someone with plants? Asking for a friend. Listen, I mean, what you don't know, you don't know. It's not something you can Google. Yeah. You can't Google it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was trying to get anyone else to do it for him. And so, of course, detectives are like, yeah, Jessica, we don't need to talk to you. Yeah. And they do. The detectives then interview Jessica. They learned Eli had had discussions with her about the fact that he was not happy in his marriage. And he also talked to her about killing his wife, but she laughed it off and thought he was joking. He wanted Barbara dead. Yeah, she's like, we talked about their communication skills were off. They were having some disagreements about the household chores. So he wanted to kill her. What the fuck? And Jessica's like, well, I laughed it off because I thought he was joking. Who jokes like that? Yeah. That's not fucking funny. Who jokes about killing someone? Did you hit your head one too many times on the cash register while you're getting boinketh in the bunneth oven? (laughs) But also Jessica's like, Oh, also, we're still, like, hot and heavy. We did not break up, like he told them. And they were like, okay, well, how did you keep in touch? She's like, duh, he has a cell phone. He, dun, dun, dun. Literally, he has a cell phone. Now, here's the thing. Both Eli and Jessica actually do have airtight alibis. So it's not them, but that doesn't mean that they're not involved in some way. Right. Right? But what do you do all day? If you don't have a cell phone, are they just doing chores? I don't know. I mean. Wow, what a life. I'm addicted to my phone. I have to get off my phone. I really do need to start setting screen time limit. I need to limit myself like a child. I told you I'd try and spend like the first hour or hour and a half off my phone in the morning. And if I need to do work, I do it on my computer. Yeah. Because that's like work. I mean, we work from our phones too. Like we do tons of work from our phones. But they say that like if you wake up in the morning and you're on your phone, you are immediately going for that dopamine hit and that you will be trying to get it all day, which is why you're just on your phone. I'm like, Do you want to become Amish? No. Okay. I was just checking. I would be a terrible Amish person. (laughs) He'd be like, I'm an hour in. I want to go home. (laughs) I'd be like, fuck you. It's hot. I want a cheeseburger and get me a cab. Get me an Uber. (laughs) Get me something. This beard is itchy. Yes. And get me a copy of Big Business on DVD. (laughs) 
Sorry, get me a DVD player and a TV and a generator. Do it now, Moira. So back then, apparently, there was a much smaller window for obtaining texts. I did not know this. Isn't that weird? Yeah, they disappear after three days. So the cops are like, we have got to get a subpoena for that phone to the phone company as quickly as possible. Thank God they spoke to Jessica. And so the next day, they're wanting to speak with old eager Eli Eager Eli, yeah. And they were like, well, how are we going to get in touch with them? And they're like, bitch, he has a phone. (laughs) He's an Amish guy with a phone. While the clock ticks away. Cops want to bring Eli in and see what he has to say. But when they go to get him, he's lawyered up. I remember their expression when they saw me in the driveway. It was not it was not one of happiness, I guess. Honestly, the smartest thing he's done in a while. Yeah. Because if you are being investigated for the murder of your wife, shut up and hire a lawyer. And lawyer Andrew is here. And he says, well, we're going to cooperate with you. He says, Eli wants to find the murderer. However, I need to chat with my client first. Look things over. We'll chat soon. And so investigators are like, oh, you got us. Yeah. So in the meantime, they start digging into Eli. And they learn that he comes from a big, strict Amish family. But his mom says he was naughty from the day he was born. He was always trying to push boundaries, always getting into trouble. When people are, like, naughty, the Amish people say they're, quote, getting into things. And those things are like drinking and movies. I guess he saw big business, too. He liked what he saw. He liked it. Eli was fascinated with the outside world. Yeah. He didn't want to be Amish. He did it because he was pressured to do it. He married Barbara because he was pressured to do it. Had the kids, churned the literal butter. Yeah. Not the other kind of butter, but he like wasn't committed to the life or the religion. Yeah. I have opinions on this and we can talk about it later because indoctrination is fascinating. I do want to talk about that. But like also, in addition to disliking his lifestyle and the Amish lifestyle, he didn't like his kids. And that's not like a joke how we joke that like you don't like kids. But like he genuinely like just didn't want to be a dad. And here's the thing. That's okay. Yeah. But you have kids. Yep. You know, that's why I I think the liberation of women who are like, I don't want to be a mom. Yeah. Or you actually come into the realization of saying, like, the only reason I wanted to get married was because I could. Like, these are things that, like, that's fair. Yeah, totally. Here's the thing. You don't want to be a dad, but you are a dad. Yeah. So you have to commit. Raise this family. Because, what, she going to do it all on her own? That's not fair. Five kids. I mean... People do it, but that's fucking hard. Yeah. But be a dad to your five kids. Be a husband to your wife. You made the commitment. Yeah. It's like the Mormon church, right? Mm -hmm. If you leave the community, you're not coming to the annual butter festival and hanging out with the family. You are shunned. So you are excommunicated and Eli couldn't bear the thought of that. In turn, he just didn't spend time with his family. Yeah. And the big losers are the kids and Barbara. Well, Barbara especially, because he wouldn't even leave the checkbook with her so that she could go buy groceries. There was a Sunday where it was her day to bake the pies for the lunch after church. And she didn't have any of the ingredients. And she didn't have any money. And she was so ashamed by that. Just, Just felt a lot of personal shame that she couldn't fulfill her role. So Eli really only cared about himself. Yeah. So they go find Barb Raber, the 39-year-old taxi driver that he was knocking boots with, who Mary is still pissed about. Mary is still very, very pissed. 
And now Barb was Mennonite. When she met her husband, Ed, they were Amish and they became Mennonites. So Mennonites can have electronics, drive cars. Obviously, they're very similar. But she says her and Eli had an affair, but it was over. And she did also say, you know, come to think of it, he did tell me something about hurting Barbara. She's like, but I don't know anything. Barbara's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know anything. But he might have mentioned that he didn't like his wife once or twice. Yeah. So I'm just going to clarify again because this is a little confusing. Just the the Barb and the Barbara. Yeah. Barbara is Eli's wife who sadly passed away. Right. And Barb is one of the many women he was having an affair with. Yeah. And so the cops can't do anything. They don't have anything tying Barb to the murder. So they can't hold her or arrest her. So three days after her death, Barbara is laid to rest. And at this point, the community is convinced that Eli had something to do with her death. Everyone in town was talking. Well, even his bishop was like, Eli, what happened to your wife? And Eli's like, from my heart, I don't know. The detectives learned from family members that Barbara had been talking to a therapist regarding the problems with her marriage. There is a center near Apple Creek that is a counseling center that uh, is not run by the Amish, but the Amish feel comfortable going there. And she had a male counselor. So now detectives learn from family members that Barbara had been speaking with a non-Amish therapist about how problematic her marriage had become. She'd been going to like a local counseling center. Things must have been bad for her to be doing that. I mean, good for her yeah. because she's right. I wouldn't trust anyone in the Amish community. It's going to be someone's brother, someone's cousin, Fluky, that works at the butter factory with somebody else. And so many butter factories. Yeah, and I get that. So good for her, but she didn't get to stay with that therapist for long. No, because the therapist was a man and Eli did not like that. Yeah. So she stopped going, and instead she was corresponding with him by mail. Yeah. Literally snail mail. Yeah, and so to make sure that Eli didn't intercept those, she was sending and receiving those letters from her sister's house. Good thinking. Yeah, and that went on for a while. So investigators speak with the therapist, and they get a hold of those letters. The color purple of it all. I Just mean. Just a stack of letters. Any more letters come today? I know. And all, it's all there. Yeah. All in Barbara's, it actually was really kind of haunting to see those images because it's all there in Barbara's handwriting in her own words. And she says it. Eli is never around. She didn't think he cared about her or the family. And she did not understand him because Barbara was very committed. She wanted to be a pillar of the community. She wanted to be a shining example of what a good mother and wife is in the Amish community. And Eli was not letting her do that because he was such a terrible father and husband. When you feel like a partner isn't there, when they're being evasive and they're just not there and you know something in your gut is happening, yeah. it's just so hurtful and it gives you so much anxiety. It's like a constant roller coaster of emotions. You're reaching out for any kind of connection and then they're shunning you and then you try harder and then maybe you annoy them. And lying is very hard to keep up with. Absolutely. You know, I mean, like, especially lying consistently to someone that you know. And you know when you're, like, catching people and you catch them in a weensy little lie, you just, like, boop, you put it in that little card catalog for later. Yep. And... I'm sure he fucked up his lies because you can try as hard as you want to tell the same lie and be consistent. 
But eventually you will start to give inconsistent information, you know, either under stress or something happens. Yeah, it happens. I'm just saying, like, she could feel it. She did not know what was up. But that's just the worst feeling in the world. It is the worst feeling. And it's so cruel to do to somebody. Just be honest. Just be honest. Because that feeling of sitting and stewing and being like, is it me? Is it? What is it? What is it? What do I do? And you keep trying until you're like, I feel like a fucking crazy person. Right. Yeah. She was a simple person. She wanted love. She wanted a partner. She wanted her husband. And he wanted everything else. He wanted out of that life. He didn't want to be a dad. He didn't want to be married. He wanted to go fuck people on cash registers. So now they're like, Eli's involved. Absolutely. Did you read the screen caps of those letters? Because there was Mm -hmm. one statement that really got me where she said, I may not be smart, but I'm not stupid. Yeah. Uh, ugh, that broke my heart. Because it's true, because that's intuition. Absolutely. That's not putting two and two together. That's feeling that in your gut. If people would only listen to their gut more, they ignore it. People ignore it. Listen to your gut, folks. Through their investigation, the detectives learned that Eli communicated online through these websites, and it became clear to the detectives that Eli led a double life. He was in sex chat rooms. He was sending dick pics, which you all know my feelings on dick pics. I cannot think of one time that I have welcomed the ding when on the other side was a picture of some poorly lit, grainy, 2K picture of some dude's dingling. <laughs> Not once have I ever been like, oh, yeah, give me some of that. When I want to see a penis, all I ask. Yeah, well, there you go. Also, he had a profile pic. Oh, my God. That I'll just let author Rebecca describe. He took a selfie of himself, but naked from the waist up. Honey, here, we, we just call that shirtless. That <laughs> He was shirtless. You good, Rebecca? He was naked from the waist up. Honey, he doesn't have a shirt on. Okay. What? Tell them his screen name. Amish Stud. Sir. I'll be the judge of that. I will be the judge of that. Don't nickname yourself, Brosef. Don't ever <laughs> fucking nickname yourself. And don't send dick pics. Are you guys writing this down? Is everyone writing this down? Well, let me tell you. Some women were buying it. Oh, sure. Of course. And plenty of women love his pitch. He has 110 online friends with names like Kathy Baby Love, Honey Buns, and Evil Kitty. First of all, stop that narrator from talking because it sounds like a male Siri. Kathy Baby Love, <laughs> Honey Buns, and Evil Kitty. Tits for you. <laughs> also, boobies, boobies, boobies. Also, Funny Candy Likes Your Rod. <laughs> 14. <laughs> also, This Won't Eat Itself. 75. <laughs> But also, I read some of the usernames. We see a picture with all the lists yeah. of, na- of like his friend list. And some of the usernames we see are like Shelly69 Love Beer, Skittles Miss 31 Flavors, and also Shy and Lonely 28. <laughs> Hi, Shy and Lonely 28. My name is Joey Taranto. I am a homosexual podcaster. And I just want to say, can you lie? Because leading with Shy and Lonely, it's not the most appealing name. No one will know. No. Maybe do Shy, Lonely, and Horny. Yeah. You know what I mean? But not. Not that. Shy, lonely, and wanting some dick. Yeah, okay. Shy, shy, lonely, (laughs) and tits for days? I mean. How many letters am I allowed? But these names are just like, (laughs) Shelly, 69, love beer. Skittles, miss 31 flavors. Shy and lonely, 28. (laughs) (laughs) So chances are, Eli's telling Barbara that he's going on fishing trips, hunting trips, 
He's having sex. He's had sex with at least 10 women that they could identify. Shy and Lonely 28 was not one of them. No. Also, he was confiding in all of these women that he wanted his wife dead. Yeah. And he was trying to feel them out to be like, I mean, do you have any idea how I could kill her or would like you kill her? And they're like, okay. Amish stud, you will never be a soprano. Honey. Never. Don't ask advice on how to murder someone from a person whose screen name is Sugar Tits 25. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the whole actual taking the murder out of this is actually very sad. Yeah. Because those are things that you are allowed to do as an adult. Yeah. You are allowed to go and find sex on the internet, have sex however you want, have relations however you want. But like all of those fear-based religious scare tactics about the purity culture, I promise I was not raised as religious as you, but I would go to Vegas and you know I hate Vegas on the fact that God doesn't want that. No. Could you imagine finding out that your friends hang out with you and they don't want to? Yeah. Like, if you don't want to go to church, don't you think God's like, don't stay if you don't want to be here? Also, God put you on this earth to live your life. He you don't you free ha- will. Yes, and you don't have a sex drive for nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, that's really the thing. The kids are a separate story, but... He doesn't want to do it, and it's fear-based because they say, like, the outside world is evil, evil things happen, drugs, movies. Well, we're seeing it right now on TikTok. We've talked about that Ryan Foley guy who is so indoctrinated with Christianity, and he is clearly gay. He has said it, and he is specific about his kinks. He's like, I've watched a lot of trans porn. I've watched a lot of, like, all these things. And he's like, I fight the urge every single day. And it's like, you don't need to fight the urge. It's sad. He's very misogynistic in his words. But his self-hatred is so sad. It's so palpable. And I'm like, my God, all of your videos are a cry for help. And this is what I'm talking about. When you manipulate people through fear and guilt. Because Eli has mental health issues, obviously. He's borderline sociopathic. Absolutely. And so, you know, those are a one-two combo that is very dangerous. And so... Here's the other thing that really upset me is that Eli had said to one of these women, well, if you ever see my wife on the street, will you run her over with your car for me? You are disgusting. You are disgusting that you could talk about someone like that. Eight days after Barbara Weaver is found dead, the phone company releases the text messages from her husband Eli's cell phone. And what a story they have to tell. The text messages were shocking because they basically laid out how the murder took place before, during, and after. So on June 10th, they basically get a roadmap of the murder. Because here's the funny thing about an Amish person having secret contraband technology. He doesn't know technology. Not at all. What he doesn't know is actually laughable. Yeah. Well, it starts on May 31st. Eli is texting someone about scheduling essentially a hit on his wife. He's also talking about the ways in which they could kill her. And the murderer is like, it's going to be hard with the kids in there. And Eli says, yeah, but at least it would mean they go straight to heaven. What? What what kind of logic is that? It is so callous. Yep. And he's so casual about it. He wants this to happen. Yeah. Then he says, well, just come blow up the house or something, but do it tonight. So he was like essentially saying, I don't care if the kids are there and you blow up the house. I just want to be done with this. Mm -hmm. You're disgusting. So now it's the morning of the murder and the hit person texts like, 
I'm nervous. Where are you? Can I drive up behind the pine trees? And the time of the murder is getting closer and closer. And this person is like, I can't see in the dark. And then Eli texts, the bottom door is open. Come on. Because remember, he's going out fishing for some trout or some Solomon or whatever they fish for. Yeah, he is laser focused. And also what's crazy is that the killer is voicing their concerns, their fears, their anxiety about doing it. And in the way he disregards everyone's feelings around him, he's also completely disregarding this killer's fears. He's like, oh, you got this. You can do it. It's fine. I'm like, what the fuck? So later that day after Barbara is murdered, the news is going around town about the murder and whoever the murderer is, which it's it's a woman. She's nervous texting, Mm -hmm. saying, make sure you don't give them your phone. Be sure to change your number so they can't track it. And she's like, I don't want to lose you. And again, she thought... That if they changed the numbers, it would all disappear. All those texts and correspondences would disappear. Honey, I know you're a Mennonite, but a quick Google search will tell you that stuff is there forever. Your online footprint. It's there. Careful. Well, now the police have that number and they track it down and you will not believe who that phone belongs to. It belongs to Mennonite Barb Raber, who is the taxi driver who had been driving Eli all around that he had an affair with. Well, they call her a middle-aged taxi driver. And I'm like, you know, listen, she's a twat with a bad haircut, but middle-aged. 39? She's 39. But she does look road hard and put away wet. And I can say that because she's... Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. They basically say, like, Barb probably did this because she's thinking, if I prove my loyalty to Eli, I can have him all to myself. Honey, that man has loyalty to no one but himself. So they get a warrant for Barb's house, and they say her house is a... The house was a pigsty. You said it, I didn't. And they go for her laptops, her cell phone. She had hidden a cell phone. Idiots. Like, she hid it behind the couch. They're like, baby, they're going to come, and they're going to turn that place upside down. A woman has died. Listen to me. I'm just going to say this, and I mean it wholeheartedly. I am not joking. Mennonites and Amish people do not subscribe to a life of crime. You are not equipped. Yeah. (laughs) This evening, two suspects have been arrested and currently incarcerated in the Wayne County Jail on charges relating to the murder of Barbara Weaver, age 30, which occurred on June 2nd, 2009. So on June 10th, both Eli and Barb are arrested and everyone is like, what? So in life... And in murder, we stay true to tropes, right? Barbara refused to turn Eli in and tell the police what she knew about him. And Eli was like, yeah, that bitch killed her. He turned her in and they offered him a deal to say everything. And he was singing like a canary. He's like, thanks for the taxi rides, Barb. Yeah, literally. You look great in orange, babe. He didn't give two squirrel shits about her. And so he was going for life with the possibility of parole after 15 years. So on September 17th, 2009, the trial begins and we see footage and the courtroom is filled with Amish folks. All those beards. All I see are like beards and bonnets. Yeah. Well, everybody showed up for Barbara Weaver. They were like, we want justice for Barbara. And Eli takes the stand. Y'all, the worst thing that could happen to you if you're Amish Eli experienced because he takes the stand and the Amish folks who were sitting buried their faces in their hands and the ones who were standing 
turned their backs on him while he spoke, which is the Amish way of saying, you don't go here anymore. Yeah. It is the physical manifestation of being shunned. Yeah. They basically were like, you know what? We're going to turn 180 degrees and we're going to fuck off. You can fucking stay here. We want to make sure that the job is done. So you stay here in your shackles and your orange outfit. Bye, guy. Yep. It's basically they were all the shame nun from Game of Thrones, which I know you won't get that reference. I know. The shame. Yeah. Oh, you do. On September 22nd, 2009, Barb Raber is found guilty of aggravated murder in the death of Barbara Weaver. She is sentenced to 23 years to life. I understood that Barbara just wanted Eli's approval. She just thought that he's going to pick her and that she's someone special to him. And then she found out that she wasn't. But I would just say, what were you thinking? You knew it was wrong. And so then on September 22nd, 2009, Barb Raber was found guilty of aggravated murder and sentenced to 23 years to life. Yep. But here's the thing. Uh-huh. Mennonites are unlike us. They believe firmly in forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true. We forgive. We just don't forget. Yeah. I'm not sending you a letter in prison if you kill somebody. Well, that's crazy. I mean, like all of the members of her church, they write her every day and hopes that she will remain devoted to the faith. Something interesting now that you say that is she in her trial said that Eli did it, which is physically impossible. So she could have spun a narrative oh. that Eli was framing her. Got it. Yeah. I mean, listen, she's a murderer, so fuck her. But also, I don't know. I guess the Mennonites are like, we're going to extend the olive branch to you, Barb. But then on September 29th, 2009, Eli is given 15 years to life for conspiracy to commit murder, and he will be eligible for parole next year. Yeah. And he addressed the courtroom. I'm very sorry what I did. And I hope everybody here and forgive me for what I did. And, you know, he says he was sorry, which, okay. But the thing was that, not in the episode, was him and Barb had been texting. They were talking about poisoning her with the cupcake, carbon monoxide, what? a home explosion. What? Yeah, so this, you're sorry, my dude, but you mentioned it to, like, you know, Everybody. 10 of your fuck girls. Yep. And then you you very haphazardly and casually mentioned it so many times. I kind of think he might have wanted to get caught. Mm. There is no way you would be that messy as to talk. To shit that you, he told like 10 women. Yeah. Do you want to kill my wife? Just kidding. Unless you're not. Yeah. You know, like maybe even jail was a better life from him in Amish country. I'm not trying to give him an out, obviously. I'm just saying, like, why on earth would he be so loose-lipped? I feel like he might have been very dim. You know what I mean? Sure. I get the feeling that he was not a very... He's a murderer. You can call him stupid, I yeah, think. Yeah, I get the feeling that he was kind of stupid. Yeah. And probably also a narcissist and clearly sociopathic because he dissociated from all of this. Yeah. But the kids are being raised by Barbara's family, which is as it should be. And those kids don't have parents anymore. You know, we always say, of course, check the husband. Of course, check the husband. But that's the real tragedy when it is domestic violence, when it is violence and murder within the home, is that the kids lose both parents. Exactly. I thought about that a lot in in just thinking of like, man, you robbed them not only of their mother, but of having a father. Yeah. 
it's really sad. I just, you know, religion, for all of you who are out there who are religious, like, I respect that. I don't believe that we should be imposing our beliefs on anybody. But I've just seen religion go so bad for so many people in so many ways. And I just feel like God put you on this earth to not get through it. God doesn't want you to get through life. Like, oh, I guess I'll just get through today. I just got to get through today. No, God wants you to, if there is a God, wants you to live life, be good to yourself, be good to other people, thrive, have sex, like live life. There's a reason he gave you this. Experience it all and be a fucking good person. But don't let religion keep you from being happy and trying new things. Yeah. Trying new things is scary. And I think that's what kept him. It was those fear tactics. You know, the outside world is scary. You can't survive out there. And I'm not in the position or in the business of telling people the way they live is wrong. But I think if he was able to go live his life and have sex and divorce Barb, of course, divorce is sad, but it's better than fucking murder. Yeah. You know, it's sad and it's senseless. Every murder is senseless. But this just is so... It's textbook. And just like how we respect people who are religious, religious people respect, well, should respect our opinions of it as well. Yeah. That it didn't work for our life, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. Also, the beards. Say something funny. (laughs) You know, I have to tell you, we've been so busy Mm -hmm. lately. At 43 years old, if I was on a sex chat room, I'm not looking for sugar tits 25 or... Sexy Skittles, 31 flavors. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, I will clean your house today. (laughs) 69. (laughs) I'm looking to just hold me a little, but when I say go away, go away. Yeah. 12. What a crazy episode. I know. It's crazy. But thank you for being here. This show is very, very well made. It's like the storytelling is great. It's really caught and dry. It's very documentary style. So if you want to check it out, it's on Discovery Plus. There's a hundred seasons. Don't forget, we are covering season seven. We're going to do episode 7.2 through 7.6 for the month of July, right? 7.5. 7.5 for the month of July. Please follow us on social media. If you're listening to this and you haven't followed us on social media, our social media is more fun than the podcast. Is it? It's it's very fun. You can find us on all platforms at I Think Not Pod. You can find Ellen on Instagram at Ellen Marsh, Ellen with a Y. And you can find me on Instagram at It's Joey Taranto. Also, if you're feeling fancy, go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. Say something nice about me. And then say love sugar tits 25 (laughs) (laughs) and don't forget to find us on the patreon it is summertime if you're out gardening or doing things or watching your kids at the pool put on some dick jokes in your ears that'll be fun i got plenty of them find us on patreon just just search i think not and we will be right there we love you so much and we had such a blast on tour if we got to see you thank you for coming thank you for your energy. Y'all have been very good to us. We appreciate you. Our audiences were electric and it really, really kept us going on those long days and we love you so much and I love you, Joey. I love you, Yellow Marsh, and I love you, DB. Love you now, Mitchell. Bye. 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 I feel like I 
could live in Amish country for like, I was going to say three days, but... You wouldn't make it five hours. They don't have electricity. They sit around and stare at each other. Yeah. Got very boring. They're like, I just want Jesus and butter. Do you know what that's from? They sit around and stare at each other. Yes, uh, Little Mermaid. Yes! Scuttle. <laughs> Do you notice anything different? No seashells? <laughs> Sorry, but, okay. Do not fooketh. Do not fooketh me. You have, hey, you do not fooketh in thee, thou is Amish store, where thou have turneth the buttereth, and thy utereth. Did you hear about Hugo and Kim? Did they really get pinned? (laughs) (laughs) The phone song from Bye Bye Birdie, when they all call each other. Oh. I'm sorry. I ruined your joke. They all call each other. Like, no, I got what's that. the story? <laughs> Morning glory. What's the word? Mockingbird. Okay. <laughs> anyway, if you're listening, shy and lonely, love yourself. Love yourself. We love you. She don't love herself. No, she does. At least the truth can get you backstage. She don't love herself. <laughs> <laughs> 